This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Valley, coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome-times-awesome, fantabulous, mega-super-duper, magnifico co-host, Andy Bailey. You're getting an extra dose of us this week because a big part of our Western Conference trade deadline primer is now out of date because Blake Griffin was traded to the Detroit Pistons. Yes, Blake Griffin, mere months after signing a five-year max deal with the Clippers, has been has been traded to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, we're going to hash it all out, talk you through it, because we're sure that you're floored. We know that we were. But I just want to remind you beforehand to please rate, subscribe, and review us on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. Every time we see those ratings go up, it puts a smile on Andy's face like you could not believe. And so if you could keep doing that, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, so... You know, now that we're here, Andy, um, well, I guess I have to ask the question everybody wants to know. How are you doing? Forget about the trade. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, it's just been quite a whirlwind ever since that trade went down. I was on my way home from uh, classes in law school and hit with that. I actually, this happened to a bunch of people. I didn't get hit with the Woj bomb. The initial one, right? I got a text right? from you that was, yeah, I got a text from you that was like, whoa, I can't process Blake Griffin to the Pistons, and I was just lost. <laughs> I think, and then it all happened so fast after that. I think even um, Twitter's algorithm must have processed that Woj bomb. Oh, excuse me, Woj bomb is like a, a spam bot or something. It didn't even believe it. They thought it was fake There was Woj. a bunch of people, yeah, I, I, I tweeted about it. A bunch of people responded. They were like, yeah, I didn't get it either. Um, and then it, it was within like... 15 minutes at the most after you sent me that text that I that I actually got a Woj bomb that was like the deal's complete which was just crazy he did later come out and say that they'd been talking about it for six days um, yeah which is just it's just funny because as a really quick side note if any of us would have wrote an article proposing a trade of Blake Griffin to the Pistons we would have just got been a, shit on it oh yeah so and that exact framework would have just gotten roasted by people on both sides I think yeah, I mean, t- this morning it was like when Avery, it, Woj reported that Bradley was available in trade talks. It was like, oh, the Pistons aren't going to get anything for Avery Bradley. Except yeah, I spent we, like most of the day just talking about how terrible he was on Twitter. <laughs> right, and then all of a sudden he's the centerpiece, one of the centerpieces of the Blake Griffin trade. So your initial reaction, who do you – is there a, a winner in this trade or who's the clear loser? What do you, who do you like this trade for less, wherever you want to start? Um, Man, my initial reaction was – I just thought the Pistons won because I'm I'm so used to um, the team who gets the star coming out on top. Mm-hmm. Although, as I say that, I think back to like the Carmelo Anthony deal and the Darren Williams deal, 
I, I think Denver and um, the Paul George deal, obviously Pacers. Yeah, that's sure. another one. So maybe I was a little too quick to judgment on that. And the more I've thought about it over the last few hours, the more I'm I, I'm having a hard time processing it for either side. <laughs> to be honest, I get what clip what the Clippers are doing, blowing things up and maybe trying to get some young players and, and start a rebuild. I would just like them to lean into it even more. Like I, I wish they would have gotten all expirings instead of having Tobias Harris. I wish they would, and maybe they're still working on this. I wish they could maybe find somebody that would take Gallo's contract, at, even though that might be impossible at this point. Um, so I, for them, I just, I just wish they would go even further into a rebuild. And then for Detroit, uh, I guess Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond make sense in a vacuum. Him and DeAndre have worked pretty well um over the years and it's essentially the same sort of stylistic fit although drummond just this year has become a much better passer than deandre jordan has ever been um and i think blake will handle the ball a ton especially with reggie jackson out but as you pointed out to me right before we started recording um there's definitely reason to be concerned with the the injury history of blake griffin and how much he's going to make at the back end so i just i i don't feel like either team won, as, as strange as that sounds. I, this one's going to take some time for me to process, I think. Well, I think the Clippers are the clear winner just because if you're going to rebuild, in theory, Blake Griffin's deal is almost the worst to have on your books because of yeah. how long it spans. It goes through 2021, 2022, assuming that he picks up that player option worth $39 million, which he's going to pick up that player option worth 39 million dollars and we don't you don't know if he can stay healthy the gallo deal i don't know who's gonna take including this season three years and 64.8 million dollars of gallo that i wonder if they tried to get detroit to do that at least like offered it that would have been like one of the um, maybe it was offered but that would have been one of the worst trades ever for the, pistons. <laughs> for the pistons the thing i'll say about tobias harris though that i think people forget it feels like he's been around forever his salary actually goes down by $1.2 million next year, and he doesn't turn 26 until July. He's 25 right now. Oh, man. I would have thought like 27, 28. So he's, that's fine to have like another year of his rebuild. Yes, if you're tanking, you don't want a scorer like him on your books. At the same time, someone would trade for him. Like he's not an immovable that's, deal. One of my first thoughts was, I, man, I wish Utah would offer like three of their expiring contracts for him. You'd probably have to give up a pick or something, maybe Rodney. Well, Lee. I would. Yeah, I would. I think I would give up Favors, Jerebko, and, and a pick. Would that be enough? I don't know. No, I don't think so. And uh, Hood. I'd, I'd throw Hood in there, too. Yeah, Maybe that'd be interesting. If the Clippers are full tilt rebuild, then they have time to see if they'll lean into it just because Woj did report that they're, they're, they're hedging again, though. He said that they're discussing extensions with Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan, but they're also thinking about trading them. You can't keep... Like, DeAndre Jordan's value, I don't want to say is plunged on the offensive side without Chris Paul, but, like, now you don't have Blake Griffin or Chris Paul. He's not really going to help you too much on the offensive end. He's only going to get older. I wouldn't want a part of his next contract. The only, ironically, the only way that he actually makes long-term sense for this team is if Lou Williams is going to stay because you need that pick-and-roll partner. It's not going to be Beverly if he's healthy. It's not going to be Austin Rivers, LOL. Uh, here's my thing with the Pistons, and I think that this is a terrible deal for them, is that they're going to have l- – listen to what Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond make combined over the next four years. This year, $53.3 million. Next year, $57.3 million. 2019-2020, $61.3 million. 
2020-2021, assuming Andre Drummond picks up his player option, they'll make $65.5 million. And if you add Reggie Jackson crazy. into 2019-2020, you're paying $80 million for those three guys. And yes, that'll be the last year of Reggie Jackson's deal at that point. I don't, I don't understand the logic beyond that arena in Detroit is empty as hell, and Blake Griffin is a brand unto himself, and maybe he'll put asses in the seats. But I know people are talking about how it's going to be this natural fit with DeAndre Drummond because he's played with um, DeAndre Jordan. Andre, excuse me, Andre yeah. Drummond, and he's played <laughs> with DeAndre Jordan. Wow, I feel like I'm going to do it's, that a bunch. It's easy to, yeah, mix uh, those up for sure. And so I get that, and Drummond has become – like a really good passer, but there are a couple things that are going to worry me. A lot of what the Pistons do to help him with his assists is like these handoff stuff. And you're trading Avery Bradley, who uh, in terms of frequency was your most used handoff guy for the season. Tobias Harris is number five on the team. 12% of his plays come there and you're getting Blake Griffin fewer than 2% of his plays come off handoff. So that fits not going to be too natural. The other thing I want to point out is, can you name the two players that Andre Drummond has assisted the most this season? Hmm, I'm going to guess they're in the trade. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring it up. Probably uh, it's just Bradley and Harris. Yes. So, <laughs> so just like those are guys that are going to be able to do different – like Griffin's not this spot-up shooter. Griffin's not this guy who's going to come around on handoffs. And Andre Drummond is not as good as a rim runner as uh, DeAndre Jordan at points. And granted, I, I, th- that's probably up for debate because if you look at – kind of who um, Drummond has spent time, uh, excuse me, <laughs> who DeAndre Jordan has spent time around this uh, for his most of his career. But, like, you know, Andre Drummond is shooting or is averaging 1.11 points per possession as the role man this year compared to DeAndre Jordan's 1.23. Like, that's a difference, and I just don't see the fit being as natural. And the defensive fit is going to be worse because DeAndre Jordan is switchier than Drummond, who's always been kind of overrated as a rim protector and a defender in general. I don't I don't like this fit, and I don't even I don't understand this from a swing for the fences per, uh, perspective. I know you don't want to pay uh, Avery Bradley's next deal. I totally get that. Uh, you know, you're not losing much in Marjanovic, but you're like, you gave up a first round pick. Uh, Tobias Harris is a good player and just is a better power forward uh, for today's NBA. And not only that, but you've, you've lost two options on the perimeter now because Tobias Harris can play the three, which Blake Griffin can't. And it, yes, this opens up more minutes for Luke Kennard, but now what him and Stanley Johnson are your primary wings and Reggie Bullock. That's just such a weird place to be. Okay. I'm going to try to defend it because I, I said, I, I don't really feel like there's a clear winner either way, but I can kind of see what Detroit's at least trying to do. Um, like you said, I think Griffin will attract, fans and it's it is a gamble because he his health issues have been well documented over the years if he does stay healthy though I actually kind of like their lineup that they're that they will roll out whenever Blake Griffin's ready to go Ish Smith uh, Luke Kennard Reggie Bullock Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond it's it doesn't like jump off the page but I feel like it's enough to get into the playoffs and maybe (laughs) If you get into the playoffs, you generate a little bit of interest. Maybe you get some more people back to the new arena. Um, it, it just might generate a little bit more excitement with Detroit basketball because they they have been dreadful for the last couple of weeks. And I think I, I've pointed this out on Twitter a bunch of times, as as anyone who follows me knows. 
most of their problems can be traced back to Avery Bradley this season. Um, fair or not, every single player that Bradley had played at least 100 minutes with this season had a significantly worse net rating when they shared the floor with Bradley than when they were not on the floor with him. Um, it just was a, a an objectively terrible fit. And I, essentially they, yes, they lost Tobias Harris. And I think that's big. He's He is clearly the best player going out from Detroit's side. But I think if Blake Griffin's healthy, at least for the next two or three years, you are a better team. And <laughs> maybe you just try and deal with the money issues those last two years when they happen and just hope that you can at least be competitive and, and exciting in the short term. Are the Pistons making the playoffs this year? They're out of it. That's right a good now question. Where's this? Two and a half games. I knew they were out. The I'm trying to... Sixers. Two and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who is? This is my uh, ESPN's taking too long to load. Okay, they've got the Sixers, the Pacers, the Wizards. Oh man, it's kind of hard to even with Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Um, <laughs> gosh now that i look at the standings I, I really don't want to bump any of these teams they are four and a half behind indiana which is the one team that i feel like they might be able to catch but four and a half games is quite a bit with only what like 30 to 35 left oh man I'm the one who just tried to argue that this was a good move and they could make a playoff push, but I it's it's hard for me to see them getting in because I, I really like Philadelphia lately too. I'm guessing you're going to say no too. No, they're not making it into the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so don't sugarcoat it or anything. No, they're not. But, but where is like where is the evidence that they're going to make it into the playoffs? And all right, so here's here's like here's what I'm having. Okay, let. I'll give you some evidence that they'll make it. In okay, the well, no, I want to. So I want to throw. Uh, since you took so long in your little stream of conscious, like head, <laughs> uh, their most used lineup this season that doesn't have um, Reggie Jackson in it is sh- shooting thirty four point nine percent from the the three point line. And now you're going to have to swap out Tobias Harris with Blake Griffin in that lineup. Tell well, you just play Kennard and Bullock more. You get shooting that Bullock way. is in that lineup, and yes, you're going to play Kennard instead of Bradley, who is also in that lineup. But, like, what is the defense on that lineup going to look like? Like, it's just – so, I'll, layman's terms now. Bradley, Bullock, Drummond, Harris, Ishmith are the most used lineups without Reggie Jackson. You're going to put in – you're going to plug, let's say, Kennard in for Bradley, and then you're going to plug in uh, Blake Griffin for Griffin. Elias Harris. That lineup yeah. is getting out – as that lineup before those – Two is getting outscored by twelve point four points per hundred possessions with a defensive rating of one hundred and fourteen point three. That is okay, not now, like, that gap is just not going to be erased by by getting Blake Griffin. And can we? If I'm not even looking short term, they have to figure this out between Drummond and Griffin, and that's not just going to happen on the fly in the middle of the season while Blake Griffin is adjusting like, to living in cold weather, mind you. Yeah, that's a factor. Um, I feel like he'll be fine. He's played with a guy like Drummond, and I, I, I do think that Drummond's a better passer than Jordan. I'm going to counter by saying I'm, I'm going to go through these net ratings that I mentioned earlier. When Andre Drummond is on the floor with Avery Bradley, the Pistons are outscored by 5.2 points per 100 possessions. 
When he's on the floor without Avery Bradley, they're plus 3.4. This isn't about Avery Bradley, though. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it Avery is. Bra- he's gone. Avery Bradley's gone. Okay, fine. Addition by subtraction. But you also got rid of Tobias Harris, who's your most versatile wing. Who? It's not Stanley Johnson, who still can't shoot. And it seems like he's even kind of regressed as a playmaker. Luke Kennard has had his moments. I should have run these numbers with, uh, with Harris and, and Bradley before we jumped on. I just don't I get it. If this was about getting rid of Avery Bradley, you could have traded him into someone's cap space. Like you just yeah, but not you. You got rid of him and you added like a five or six time All Star. I, I get uh, that is how that's the only way to justify the we're going for the home run aspect of this deal though is Blake Griffin is an All Star. Like You're I will con- concede that it's it's risky because he does have a long uh, history of injuries. But you're also not worried about how his how him coming impacts the way Drummond has to play. This is only the first season where we've kind of seen him abandon the post-up and now, like, ending possessions via post-ups. And now, all of a sudden, he's not going to really have – he's not going to have as much time to set up. Like, this is – now he has to set screens all the time. Is he going to be able to make that adaptation to his game? You're asking him to do something completely different. And, you know, Blake Griffin's efficiency was kind of hurt as the point forward in Los Angeles. They were making him orchestrate – pick and rolls he had to go one-on-one he's gonna have to do the same stuff now in Detroit because not only is Reggie Jackson injured but hey guess what you traded Tobias Harris so it's just Just in the interest of fairness to you when uh this is a super small sample size it's only 142 minutes but when Drummond is on the floor without Bradley and without Harris Detroit's minus 5.3 per 100 possessions but here's my next question to you do you think in a vacuum if he's healthy, Blake Griffin is a better player than Tobias Harris. Yes. On some level, though, my counter is is Bla- it, it matters. The fit matters. And I, I, agree. I think, Stan- yeah. first of all, Stan Van Gundy I th- tried to justify this trade the other day before it happened. Uh, just before the Pistons lost to the Thunder, he said, I've never heard of a team screwing themselves over by having too much talent. He said this before that game against the Thunder on Sunday, I believe. And then he goes ahead and he trades for Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin is making about twice as much as Tobias Harris. Is Blake Griffin twice as good as Tobias Harris? And if you want to say yes, is his fit on the Pistons twice as good or twice as productive compared to Tobias Harris? You can just go ahead and say I don't no know. because it's no. I don't know how we quantify twice as good as some other player. All right, but okay. Um, so, but my point is, like, I think fit does matter, and if you're going to pay I, twice I as much for Blake Griffin, this this looks a little different. If they're going to go ahead and, hey, maybe they're going to try and trade Andre Drummond at some point. Like maybe they just do, view Blake Griffin's a better cornerstone than Harris. He's a better cornerstone than Andre Drummond because we know someone like Griffin who can pass and with his scoring ability, they're just going to be able to impact the game more. See, I, I, I'm just not as down on the fit between those two guys as you are. I get the concerns. But I feel like we've seen so many stretches where, where Griffin and Jordan worked really well together. And I think that Drummond can return some favors to, to Griffin in a way that Jordan could not. I don't think I'm going to see Drummond running like a pick and roll with Blake Griffin. Um, don't but you I do have think to you do can, that now? <laughs> I think you can do some of the stuff you did with Tobias Harris. Sure, he's not going to be as good of a spot-up threat, but why not run some handoffs with Griffin going downhill? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know. I'm. I'm just. I want you to just. Like I, I said want you initially, to like, 
I want you to Go justify ahead. like the the fit for me from this deal's perspective, though. It's, it's like what you've – I just feel like has yet to happen. I just don't – yes, he fit with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, he fit with DeAndre Jordan because Chris Paul was there for like most of their tenure. Well, they had, they had great stretches when Paul was out, and they, they, the question would come up, do the Clippers even need Chris Paul? That happened like four or five times over the last six or seven years, didn't it? Yes. All right. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, this trade confuses me. Uh, that's what I keep coming back to. I, I, so, I feel like I can talk myself into it for either side. I guess that's fair. I and, guess, I, and at the same time, I can talk myself out of it. My concern is it feels like you need an elite, another elite playmaker as a buffer and where the Clippers had and Lou Williams uh, yeah. and Mil- Milos Teodosic, the the Pistons don't have that right now. Like it's not. That's fair. Um, I, and it's one- probably not. I, I I think a lot of Pistons guys are still pretty high on Reggie Jackson, but I'm not sure it's him either. Now, so I don't want to. I feel this is. I don't know if it's in my. Okay, so th- I think this is in my favor. If you look <laughs> at what, just because I'm trying to compare it to the Pistons situation. In the time, it's a very small sample size, 94 minutes. In the time that Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan have played this season without Teo Dosich, Lou Williams, or Patrick Beverly on the floor, the Clippers had an, an offensive rating of 99.1. But like you said, 96 minutes. 94 minutes. So I'm even – that's like oh, the okay. argument against myself. And if you remove – And think about who else would be on the floor with them. They, they'd have to be playing with guys like Austin Rivers and Wesley Johnson. I mean, what are the Pistons giving you? Stanley Johnson? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and, yes, Daniel Gallinari's been injured. Uh, if you take Patrick Beverly out of that because he's basic, like he's out for the season. So, And this is interesting. This is actually really interesting. Uh, if you – Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan have a 109.4 offensive rating when they play without just Lou Williams and Milos Teodosic. So I guess uh, Patrick Beverly was really important to how you – so if you surround these guys, my, this is going to be my point then. If you surround these guys with a combination of adequate playmakers and good to great shooters, it, it will be fine. Does Detroit right now have the requisite personnel around them to make it work? And my my answer to my own question is going to be hell no, and that includes if Reggie Jackson comes back because I don't think he's a, a disaccomplished off-ball guy. Yeah. I I think I think I'm with you in the sense that the obvious spot that they need to work on next is point guard. I think in the short term you can get by with Kennard and Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson off the bench, um, but sort of a secondary shot creator would certainly be nice. Maybe they think Kennard can do that. I don't I don't know. Um, I think that was some other justification for taking him where they did in the first round, but. Uh, I think we can find some common ground in the sense that they they need to get better at the one. And I'll also give you, despite the fact that Avery Bradley ran all these handoffs, he wasn't good. He's shooting thirty five under thirty five percent on handoffs. Excuse me. Uh, but I, again, that's a big part of the Pistons' offense. Is my point to trade away two higher volume guys in that department, like Bradley and Harris for Griffin. I think that's just going to convolute the fit. Um, I do really quick though before we wrap this up, want to get to. The, mainly the Clippers now are, do you think they're going to end up trading Deandre Jordan? I, I like, that's kind of what I wanted to talk we, about next too. We talked about in the trade deadline primer, how I didn't think that they were going to trade Deandre Jordan, but I didn't think they were even going to, th- I called Blake Griffin on touch. Yeah. 
Who's more likely, him or Lou? I, I think him just because the amount of money, right, is just like the sheer amount of money that it's going to cost to keep him. And, and, and then again, I don't even know because the market for bigs, where is he going? Yeah, well, that's another thing we talked about yesterday is like there's just a few teams with cap space. It's hard. It's really hard to imagine him getting a max. Uh, the, if I'm a DeAndre Jordan suitor, I have to kind of be jumping for joy at this point, though, right? Like, this yeah. just has to be. Uh, but I don't know. Are you going to – you know what would be interesting now, though? If the Clippers are truly in rebuild mode, the Bucks package, if they throw in Jabari Parker, who is supposed to return this week, by the way, that probably looks a hell of a lot more attractive to them now because you're not I don't, paying Blake Griffin. I don't think anymore. I would touch it if I'm the Bucks now. They, they've played – they've been looking so much better the last, I don't know, couple weeks. Would you do that if you're the Bucks? Yeah, I'm not. Do you, do you really not, think DeAndre Jordan pushes the needle that much for them? Uh, defensive rebounding-wise, absolutely. Gives them kind of a viable pick-and-roll rim runner. I don't think John Henson's really ever developed as an elite guy in that department. Right now, I think I would argue that Giannis Antetokounmpo is their best rim runner, which is a problem. And uh, what he could help them do defensively. I also here's my thing. I think I would rather pay his next contract than Jabari's. Unless than Jabari's. Can, then That's unless you fair. can tell me that Jabari's is going to be like a one or two year deal or like a two year deal with a team option or something like that. That's another guy who's going to have a really interesting free agency. And I'm I'm trying to think. We talked about some. I'm trying to think of other destinations for DeAndre. We know Portland was was kind of interested in him, um, but. Is Nurkic expiring? He's a restricted free agent after this year. But that's like, are you going to do if you're the Clippers now? Let's say you get a first Nurkic and Harkless is salary filler. And then you have to maybe say you have to take on Ed Davis's contract and you're sending the Blazers uh, DeAndre. Davis Jordan. is expiring too, right? Yeah, Davis is expiring. And he's at, he's really good. He can, the way he, he defends power. I think power they're better him. with, I think, I think Portland's better with him than they are with Nurkic. With DeAndre Jordan, I think he's by far a better fit. Well, I mean Ed Davis. <laughs> well, I mean, um, but this this framework that you laid out, I, th- I I think that's a really good deal for Portland if they wound up with DeAndre Jordan. Would you? But they um, they would have to give up like a first round pick in that deal, right? Yeah, I think that would be worth it. That uh, a mid to late round first how, that doesn't help them too much anyway. I, I I think I would do that for DeAndre Jordan. Um, here's if I'm Portland. Uh, I guess here would be the other one where – what did I have? I had laid out with the uh, – the Wizards would be an interesting fit for DeAndre Jordan, I still think. If, I think we talked about that one yesterday, right? Yeah, so that's the one I'm getting at is if you're the Clippers and you're in full, full rebuild mode, would you send DeAndre and Lou Williams to Washington and then you eat Jan Mahimi and Jason Smith, but you're getting Kelly Oubre and – uh, Washington's first round pick this year. If they got both of those guys, Washington, I, I think they would be very scary. Would you do that if you're the Clippers? Um, how much does Jan Mahimi have left? Jan Mahimi has, after this season, he's going to have two years and what is he at? He's at two years and roughly a zillion dollars. No, it's about two years. <laughs> Is about two years and thirty one point three million. Thirty one point. Oh man, I would be trying so hard to get expirings if I was the Clippers, but 
I'm just. They I also get I'm a first in Ubre. Maybe you can. Yeah, he's it. been good for sure. I, I would definitely think about it. It's all, it's a no brainer for Washington. I think uh, losing Ubre hurts a little bit, but Lou Williams has become one of the most ridiculous offensive players in the league. I'm a big, and Uber. I think their bench needs some punch. Yeah, I'm a big Ubre believer. The issue is, is that the Wizards kind of need someone like Lou Williams who can run the second unit on their own, and that guy they've tried it at the beginning of the year with Kelly Ubre, and it's just not him. You know what I like for Lou, but I don't really have a deal. <laughs> is this, for some reason I really want him up to go back to the Sixers. I thought you were about to say the Suns, and I was like, what? Well, you no. know, okay, so you know what the That's clip- another team that really needs some help uh, off the bench is the Sixers. Right, they need like all kinds of. Wait. They need wing help too. Uh, I wonder if Luwawu Cabrera would interest the Clippers at all. I feel like no. I mean, maybe. I uh, like if you're going to give, if you're willing to take on Jared Bayless's contract, maybe you get the Sixers' first round pick this year, which is going to be mid first. So you eat Jared Bayless, who only has one year left on his deal after this one, which is kind of whatever. And yeah. You can send back uh, Lou Williams. The only issue with that for me, for the Sixers, you would also have to uh, send other money back out of the Clippers because that's not going to work financially. I, but yeah, could... I had uh, I actually had the Wawu Cabral and Booker just because he's expiring, and then maybe a pick for Williams and Decker. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. It's just I'm wondering if if you're the Sixers who need first of all the Sixers need wings. So to give up TLC, even though I know yeah. Justin Anderson, he had a hell of a game the other night. Uh, if you're expecting a lot from him and he's your guy moving forward, then I guess that's fine. But are you willing to kind of pay that much for a guard who could be a rental when you also uh, Markel Fultz is eventually going to contribute to this team, right? So you're looking at Lou Williams as kind of that short term. Yeah, he would probably be a short-term solution. He would also probably be their best pure scorer for the rest of the season. And I think he would really help their playoff push. That would, like, secure their playoff spot in my mind. Williams on the Heat, as as everything Deion Waiters is not, would be spectacular. That would be, yeah. That that would be a monumental upgrade. (laughs) And I'm trying to— I don't know who they would give back either, though. I got nothing for you. Um, I'm also trying to like suss out other possible DeAndre Jordan landing spots, and I just don't. I don't like. It's so hard to find logical spots for big men right now. I think you have Milwaukee, Washington, and Portland all make some to really good sense, and that might be. I don't know if there's anything beyond that. Toronto, if you're if you're the Clippers and you're willing to eat Valanciunas, that could be a DeAndre Jordan, Serge Ibaka front court could be super interesting. How much does Valanciunas have left? He's got two years after this one, but his deal isn't bad. And they said one of those Woj tweets today was they wanted young players and players who would keep them competitive. That sounds like like that and you sounds could, kind of like so. Would you? I mean, and Alan Tunis is making, assuming he's going to pick up his player option uh, for 2019, 2020, and I'll assume he will. After this year, he's got two years and thirty four point one million one million dollars left on his deal. If you're eating that, and maybe Toronto, their first round pick this year is already going to Brooklyn. I, I don't really know who else they're giving you. They're not going to give up Ananobi in that deal. I'm sure. What about they... uh, Cleveland? Since they've come up in the past for DeAndre. Oh yeah, that, I feel like that's kind of the the duh. Why well, I, I don't know why I didn't name them. What are you giving up? I'm not giving the Nets pick to even if they're giving Lou Williams to the Cleveland. Like I'm, the, I'm the Cavaliers. I'm not giving the Nets pick for that for two expiring. I don't know if I would either. Windhorst had kind of a good point on Lowe's podcast the other day that he, he was like. 
his argument for going all in with LeBron is you'll this is the kind of player that you get like once in the history of your franchise, so why yeah. not go all in? Which makes sense, but I I would be, I, I'm with you. I'd be scared to include the the pick if I had any inkling that Lebr- that LeBron is going to leave. I want that asset to start building with afterward. Maybe if you're going to reroute Tobias Harris to Cleveland, uh, there's something there. But I mean, any DeAndre Jordan deal with the Cavaliers has to include Tristan Thompson. And if that's yeah. going to be the case, then you have to imagine it would have to include a third team, right? Because I don't know that the Clippers are going to want to pay the. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't want that contract from the Clippers. Yeah, and I'm he, thinking about rebuilding. He's he's going to be owed about thirty six million over the next two years after this one. So, all right. So to wrap, putting a bow on this, I want <laughs> I want on the record from both of us official. Uh, if there were clear winners, losers, are these teams making the playoffs this year? So let's start. I'm going to go winner is the Clippers as long as they're rebuilding. If not, I have to give them a, a WTF grade. The Pistons are losers for me. I don't think the Pistons are going to make the playoffs, and I don't think the Clippers are going to make the playoffs because I lean towards them actually quasi-rebuilding now. And a, a prediction on will they move DeAndre Jordan and or Lou Williams I, I have no idea right now. Um, and Mark Stein from the New York Times just recently tweeted as we were recording this that the Clippers believe they can make it into the LeBron James uh, sweepstakes, which is confusing me even more. That was a yeah. There was a lot of people wondering about that right after the trade happened. Um, I'm gonna. I'm if gonna he could go th- to either LA spot, why would he pick the Clippers? Uh, because Lavar Ball doesn't have his son playing for that team. I don't know. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say my prediction for this is that the Clippers move at least one of Jordan or Williams, if not both of them. And my guess is more likely than not it'll be Jordan, just because if they want to stay competitive, Lou Williams is more important to doing that right now than Jordan is. I'm gonna say both move. Uh, I, I say they lean into the rebuild even more, and. <laughs> I'm going to say Detroit wins the trade, but it's like both of them fell down 10 meters from the finish line and like wrestled each other across the line. This is going to be a fun one to revisit in like this season in the middle of next year. I am not confident in that pick. I also just wanted, before we sign off, my favorite tweet about all of this came from Lee Jenkins from Sports Illustrated. I'm sure you saw this. Um after the trade happened, he tweeted, the Clippers held their free agent meeting with Griffin at Staples. They lowered the lights in the arena and raised his jersey to the rafters. As a choir sang, the PA announcer said, tonight we're honoring a lifelong Clipper. Yeah, but acquiring <laughs> Boban is the universal caveat to every promise. He's the universal takebacks. He's the universal takebacks. I hope Boban, I think Zach Lowe said this, but I hope Boban stars in a movie now that he's in L.A. He's got to be a Bond villain at some point. I hope we see more shirtless pics of Bobon too. <laughs> well, that's a given. <laughs> um, anything else? No, I think that this is just the extension of our trade deadline primer. You guys should check out our Western Conference um, trade preview, even though the, the Clippers one is outdated and wrong Yeah, they, as they shit. blew us up quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I second that. Check that out. Download it. Tell other people to listen to it. Tell them to listen to the podcast. Tell them to su- subscribe. Um, tell them to rate, tell them to review. We appreciate all that stuff. It definitely helps us. Uh, if you want to talk to Dan on Twitter, he's at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. 
the show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore Mass. And until next time, we leave you with the shout-out to Bino Udry, former Detroit Piston, and Kyle Anderson. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.